0: A reading from the first book of Kings. When the time of David's death drew near, he gave these instructions to his son Solomon. I am going the way of all flesh. Take courage and be a man. Keep the mandate of the Lord your God following his ways and observing his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees as they are written in the law of Moses. That you may succeed in whatever you do wherever you turn, and the Lord may fulfill the promise he made on my behalf when he said, If your sons so conduct themselves that they remain faithful to me with their whole heart and with their whole soul, you shall always have someone of your line on the throne of Israel. David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The length of David's reign over Israel was forty years; he reigned seven years in Hebron, and thirty-three years in Jerusalem. Solomon was seated on the throne of his father David, with his sovereignty firmly established. Lord, you are exalted over all. Blessed may you be, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, from eternity to eternity. Lord, you are over all. Yours, O Lord, are grandeur and power, majesty, splendor, and glory. Lord, you are exalted over all. Lord, you are exalted over all. Yours, O Lord, is the sovereignty. You are exalted Lord, as head over all. Riches and honor are from you. In your hand are power and might. It is yours to give grandeur and strength to all.
1: Dominus Vobiscum. Si, tu, Lectio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Gloria, ti, mi, Domine. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey, but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The 12 drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Verbum do homini. We've had these very dramatic readings about the life of King David, especially in 2 Samuel, and today the passage from 1 Kings is about his death, that he's dying here. He reigned for 40 years. And he says here, I'm going the way of all flesh. It's a good thing to remember, we die. The saints, sometimes you see them with, uh, in paintings and things with skulls on their desk or whatever and they're holding and contemplating that, the shortness of life that there's a coming judgment, there's a coming hopefully a blessed life in heaven, that we need to keep our, our eyes on that. So he says to his son, to Solomon, take courage and be a man. Be a man. And he gives this program for success he says keep the mandate of the lord follow his ways observe his statutes and commands and ordinances and decrees as written in the law of moses the commandments he's telling him to do that that you may succeed and you will always have someone you know on someone of your line on the throne that this is a way to secure the throne to keep the commandments to follow the lord and we know that many kings did fall away. Solomon himself would fall away. But, you know, we have the exiles due to failure to keep the covenants. But the goal is to strive to keep that covenant, to keep the law, to keep the commandments of God. It's a great program today for us this continual striving for holiness, to combat sin. It's a great program, I think, for masculinity. If you're going to give a talk on that you're going to give mentor somebody, he says, take courage and be a man. Fight sin in your life. Look at points of conversion that need to take place. So if we look at the gospel today, we have the sending of the 12. David's like sending Solomon forth into life. And today in the gospel, we have this parallel of sending the 12. These are the core. These are the foundation stones. Of the church and he tells them to go and work these great signs and wonders you know to heal and to to give authority over unclean spirits and what are they to preach what's to be their message as they go out we're told real simply here in mark's gospel so they went off and preached repentance they went off and preached repentance Doesn't there need to be something more? This is at the heart of the gospel, that Jesus came to save us from sin and death. He came to crush sin in our life. John the Baptist preached repentance and forgiveness of sins. Jesus himself, his first words in Mark's gospel is, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That kingdom, that gathering around Jesus is formed through faith, belief in what he's teaching, and it requires our repentance, faith and repentance, that we need to turn from sin and embrace Christ. And I love the context of this. They went out and preached repentance. There's a whole simplicity to the scene. As one homilist put, I heard one time, and he said, and you know, maybe they were wondering, okay, you're sending us out. Where are we going to stay? What about food? What do we need? And he imagined Jesus saying, I don't, I don't want you to worry about any of that stuff. Focus on the message. So don't take anything. It won't be a problem. Right? Rely on God's providence. Don't worry and keep your eyes on the stuff of the world. Focus on Jesus. He died and rose for us, and he's living in the realm of glory of the Father. That's what we keep our eyes on. He has no rival. He has no equal. He's the Son of God. Nothing compares with Him. He is the fullness. He is mercy itself. He is what we need. And we depend on God's providence throughout this life, keeping His commandment, maintaining our friendship with Him, staying close to Him, And he supplies. Scripture is full of passages about, you know, in Luke's gospel, he says that we may know salvation through the forgiveness of sins, that we need to convert, we need to repent. The apostles' first preaching after Pentecost is about (coughs) repentance. A lot of those speeches, those sermons, homilies are... They end in about conversion. The kingdom is no longer this generic thing. It's centered on Christ now. It's not a worldly kingdom. Its focus is completely on Christ. So in baptism, we have our first conversion. The waters of baptism purify us of our sin, that the Paschal mystery is at the heart of that baptismal font. The sin, original sin if we're baptized as an adult you know, all subsequent personal sin that we've committed is washed away and the church fathers talked about this ongoing conversion the second conversion second repentance that we need to combat sin in our life be converted every day And something characteristic of our age is that we've lost the sense of sin. As we move away from God, we lose a sense of sin, of what it is. You know, it becomes just in psychological terms. You know, he's sick or got a problem or it's completely blamed on family of origin, my mom, my dad, whatever. And certainly those are factors that can weaken us and can make us open to temptation and they're real but there's also sin where I choose evil I choose to walk away from God so when we repent we're turning from sin and this involves classic acts of repentance is sorrow for sin and an abhorrence of sin an abhorrence of sin sorrow that I've committed and this this abhorrence of it in our life. And we've certainly, in our culture, lost that. We grow closer to the Lord. Our consciences are more sensitive. Our heart is more sensitive. And we want to stay away from anything that takes us away from Jesus, the Son of God. That repentance involves a purpose of amendment, a change, a total change in how we think and act. It's a radical change, repentance, metanoia, this change of heart and mind and our actions. It's not just some fundamental orientation of our life that, okay, we belong to God in some vague way. No, there's a real concrete expression of this, a living out of this, that when we live the commandments, when we walk closer to the Lord, You know, we're fostering that that faith in us. We're fostering a deeper conversion, even. And all this is nourished by the hope of mercy, that we look upon the blood of Christ spilled on the cross. You think of Exodus, right? If they were to be protected at that last plague, the angel of death is passing over, all the firstborn is taken out of Egypt, they took the Paschal Lamb. They spilt the blood on the the doorways, right? And, and that's an incredible image, I think, of the cross. Sprinkling that blood on the doorpost and the lintel for our salvation, that for our protection, that as God passes over, we can be part of that passing, that journey to a heavenly promised land, and it happens by the spilling of the blood of Christ. Does that not motivate us? Look at a crucifix. Look at a big crucifix, one that looks realistic. It moves us if we just pause for a few minutes in front of that and see that it's real, that Jesus died for us. And in this This journey of repentance, we realize quickly that we need a new heart. That our hearts are hardened. They become like stone due to our sin. And we need a a new heart of flesh. And that is a work of grace. That's a work of God's grace, drawing us closer to Him. We cooperate that. This is a relationship of love. God doesn't force us, we have freedom. But I need that grace working in my life. I need to be open to it. I need to get near it. You know, I need to to be near the things of God, near the people of God. They foster that in my life. I need to be regular with confession. Now, confession is called one of the names, the catechism, because it is the sacrament of Repentance. This call that Jesus gives us in the gospel to repent and believe in the good news, the sacrament of it is confession. That's where we're doing that. Confessing our sins is required after baptism to confess all our mortal sins, all our serious sins. It's beneficial to confess the venial ones. Our consciences are sharpened. We're given grace to to live this repentance, to change our life. I don't even know my sin clearly. As I, live a holier, as I live a holy life and grow in that, I see my sin more clearly. So I need to be near that grace. I need to be receiving it. The Psalms tell us, give me back the joy of salvation. That's God's grace to make me want it, to want that salvation. I get distracted by the world. My sin blinds me. Give us strength to begin anew, the Psalms say. Give us that strength to begin anew. He's always calling us. We need to be open to repent and believe in the good news.